Hi, this is Tom Fletcher, Senior Vice President of Global Partnership Solutions for the Phoenix Suns. This is one-on-one with ADC Partners. Hi, this is Dave Almy of ADC Partners. Control what you can control. That's the mantra that Phoenix Suns Senior Vice President of Marketing Partnerships Tom Fletcher spoke to himself as his playing days in the NFL came to an end. It was his vow to never let his future be left to the capricious whims of some unknown team executive. With that, Tom began his sports business career by focusing on what he could control, building solid relationships, saying yes to opportunities, working with great teams of people, and so much more. That focus has seen him through some ups and downs throughout his career, including the current challenge of managing partnerships for a team whose owner was just suspended by the NBA. In our conversation, we touch upon that unique challenge, what the transition away from being a professional athlete was like, and lessons he picked up hanging around Coach Nick Saban and the University of Alabama football team. Enjoy. So, Tom Fletcher, let's start this conversation off by we got to go into your origin story of course because coming out of college you went to the nfl you are a you are a official nfl alumnus can you uh went into the nfl as a long snapper can you talk a little bit about what that was like to be thrust into the machine that is the nfl and and coming out of college what was that like yeah I'll, i'll tell you it's uh what an incredible experience or opportunity that was for me you know it was one that uh, when I went into college, it was one where I thought my path was going to be baseball. And that's what I originally went to San Diego State for was around the baseball side. And, I and did not know uh, that. yeah, so I ended up uh, walking on for football and it turned into an opportunity where I ended up getting a full ride on the football side. And that's kind of where that path led from uh, long snapping. And I had a great coach at San Diego State that really kind of showed me the light and opened up the door. And I walked away from the baseball side and, and focused on football. And the opportunity opened up the door with the Raiders to go as a undrafted free agent to at least kind of get a, a cup of coffee for a handful of games. But it was one that was amazing during that time in 1995. Uh, it was the Raiders were relocating to Oakland yeah. um, from LA, but you walk into a locker room with, you know, Rocket Ishmael and Tim Brown and, um, these amazing life-size personalities. Um, and it was just great to be kind of a, a blue-collar guy that was just appreciative of, of being there with the opportunity. And while it didn't last as long as I would have loved to have had to last, to, to be able to have that experience certainly kind of set my path and drive for what my career was going to be after that. Well, I would say that your cup of coffee with the NFL was longer than my cup of coffee with the NFL. So, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you've absolutely got that. You walked on, did you walk on as a long snapper? I did. Yeah, I did. It was one that for me, I had way back in the day when I was in Pop Warner, I had a, a football coach that, uh, again, I was a big baseball kid and I had a football coach that introduced me to long snapping at like nine or 10 years old. And it was one that I always held in my back pocket. And when I got into high school, it was one that they raised a hand to volunteer of who wanted to do it. And I raised my <laughs> who's, hand. And, who's the guy who's really good at chucking stuff quickly between their legs? Pretty much. That's and, me, and, coach. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I can do life <laughs> upside down. Uh, or, um, and so, 
you know, for us, it was one that uh, it was it was a unique path um, and certainly was a separator when it comes to things on the field of, yeah. you know, maybe not being big enough to play at this position at the next level or fast enough to play at this position at the next level. This is one where, I mean, if you could throw a ball into the mailbox, which is what we call it, is if you can put that ball in the mailbox every time, you got a pretty good chance to uh, kind of advance things through. And the great part was, is, I mean, it, it paid for school. So no matter yeah. what was going to happen after school, school was paid for. My degree was there, you know, and, and that was an uh, incredible opportunity for me. And again, I think set the kind of work ethic for me. The one thing about the NFL is my, my, my career was in somebody else's hands, right. the GM's hands, yep. any of those. My biggest thing of making that transition to the business piece of it was I wanted to get into an environment that I controlled my destiny versus it being in a someone else's hands. And that, that was my goal and drive. Right. And that's also, I mean, the, the position is such a capricious one too, right? I mean, it's like not every team has a specialized long snapper. So you're always kind of walking that tightrope between is that general manager going to see enough value in what I'm doing to dedicate that limited number of roster spots. And so you had a little bit of time with the Raiders a little bit of time with the Seahawks. And it was during that time with the Seahawks, I was actually reading an article about it. And you said, uh, like, if it doesn't work out here, I'll, I'll, I'll probably become a teacher. Um, okay. That didn't happen, right? You yeah. know, you ended up going to 24-Hour Fitness and you started managing that, that company's sponsorship portfolio. How did, how did that transition come to pass? You know, when you talk about making, like, I'm a professional athlete to someone who's still working tangentially in sports, how did that connection point work for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, it's one for me that when I left Seattle, I still had a window or a belief that I might end up somewhere else with mm -hmm. another team. Yeah. And so I actually took a temp job at 24 Hour Fitness in their marketing department just to kind of keep myself occupied and just happened to fall in love with it. Um, mm. It's not a path that I thought I would go down the road of. You were thinking you're just going to get access to all that gym equipment. Yeah, exactly. And it was great. It was actually a great temp job because I got the free membership behind it. I could still keep lifting and training right, and right. be in the position for You're it. ready so to go. Well, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it met my needs in many ways, but I kind of, you know, again, I fell into the opportunity. Um, I ended up hitting it off with the CEO from there, a gentleman by the name of Mark Mastro. Yeah, Mark Mastro. And, and we kind of had a a great conversation about kind of his vision. And it was at a time when 24 hour Nautilus had just acquired family fitness. Mm -hmm. We had a hundred clubs at the time and he kind of came to me and the, the group came to me and was like, look, this is the vision. This is what we're looking to do. And it kind of snowballed into an opportunity around this sports marketing thing in the late nineties that everybody started to go down the road with. And we built it from scratch and yeah. I ended up getting a full-time offer originally to rent, to run the promotions for the clubs. Um, and that's kind of how we built it. And then we parlayed it into the sports marketing world. And we ended up bringing on Cindy Crawford and Brandy Chastain and Magic Johnson and stuff. But we ended up sponsoring um, and partnering with all these teams, especially in markets where we were growing into or acquiring somebody else's clubs and had to rebrand in the market. Yeah. So we li I literally learned it from scratch because there was not a sports marketing class back then in college there was not a manual on how to do it back in the day and we kind of built it from the ground up and what a 
incredible opportunity and great fortune on my end. What also strikes me, though, in the number of conversations that I've had with people whose beginnings in the industry really start with putting yourself in a position to say yes to something, right? I'm going to take this temp job at 24-Hour Fitness. Oh, and, you know, I all of a sudden struck up this great relationship with Mark Masteroff, the president of the company, right? This ability to make connections within the, the places where you're working or saying yes to opportunities really seem to be the difference maker for people as they begin their trajectory into some of the careers that we're talking about. Because like you said, in the 90s, didn't really exist. I mean, sports marketing was kind of this, oh, well, okay, well, we can partner with sports and, and try to do some stuff. I mean, can you talk about that just a little bit, like the willingness to sort of be present and able to take something on and how yeah. that's benefited you? No doubt. And it's, you know, I, I'm, when I, we'll, we'll talk about Portland here in a little bit, but yeah. when I was in Portland, our head coach was a gentleman by the name of Nate McMillan, who's the head coach yep. in Atlanta right now. And I remember we were in the playoff run or whatever, and, and Nate and I got to, to have a, a, a pretty good relationship. And, and I made a comment to him about, hey, you know, good luck, whatever it is. And he stopped me and he said, um, you're good. You create your good luck and you put yourself in the best position for that good luck. And, you know, for me, it kind of tied back to, again, that temp job is for me, it was one of, hey, the door was open. I'm going to take every advantage of opportunity of it. But I'm also one who I'm going to pay my dues. Yep. I'm not going to, I did not walk into Mark Mastro's office and say, this is what I want to do. It was, I had to earn my keep and, and, and pay my dues and, and learn the opportunity. And, and I think that's one that I, I try to parlay uh, or kind of communicate to the young people today is, is that opportunity to don't be afraid to get out there and grind yeah. um, and, and, and kind of uh, learn it and not look for the promotion six months into the job or, 12 months of the job is, is you create that next promotion by doing it before you ever get it. And that's the part for me that I've always tried to take advantage of kind of those opportunities and creating that, that good luck for yourself. Do you feel like your time in the NFL and being focused on being an athlete prepared you well for the more quote unquote traditional business role or were there things that you really had to learn that were like, oh, that's, that's, didn't expect that. That's different. I mean, I'm assuming there's, you can answer that question either way, but I'm interested in your perspective on that. Yeah. I think the, the part about the NFL piece of it was one of you, you, you trained every day, right? You're since eight, 10 years old. Yeah. I was, I was an athlete ever since I could remember. And, and you put so much time and energy into that. And I was in the best shape of my life playing the best that I've ever played. And I was out of a job. Yeah. So I looked at it and turned around and said, okay, how can I put that same time, effort, and energy into my professional career, knowing that I could control my destiny right. by putting that same energy and maximizing that opportunity. So for me, that was the path that sports did was time management, was that drive that, that I was, I've never been motivated on title. I've never been motivated on, you know, what the, that salary piece of it was or chasing any of those. Mine was that success and that reward of that personal success mm. that you got in playing as an right. athlete. And that was the one that, uh, you know, um, you can never replace that camaraderie that you have in athletics. Um, you can never replace that high 
of running out of the tunnel uh, and what that meant on a game day. But you now get that through mentoring young people and growing those around you or closing a new business deal and the excitement of what that kind of chase, that dance looks like to be able to get there. Those are the things that athletics, for me, kind of paved the path for it and why I love hiring athletes, former athletes to work for us because they have that same drive and passion and that, that goal to achieve for themselves, but also being good teammates. Yeah, my dad owned a company back in Boston back in the day, and I know he used to talk about the first thing he would look at on any resume that came across his desk was whether or not they played team sports. Whether or not they yeah. played team sports and whether or not they were the captain of team sports, because that was that initial filter, right? You have that legacy of working hard for unobjective, whatever that can be, and whether it's you know, you know, know winning games and championships and all those kinds of things, but that translates Right. Totally. And it's absolutely informing the way that you approached your success going forward in your work. And let's and let's talk about that trajectory a little bit, because as you just talked about, you know, you did spend a little bit of time with the Trailblazers. You had come off of 24 hour fitness. You had been building this program from scratch. Right. And you really start to see some success associated with it. Right. And, you know, going out and you talked about Cindy Crawford, and Magic Johnson. And here's this great example of how this can be then you go to the other side of the table yeah yeah and you start working for the trailblazers in the early 2000s and this was actually a fairly tough period of time for the trailblazers because you know this is when they earned the unfortunate nickname the the jailblazers thing that you know some of the players were getting into trouble can you talk about a little bit like you you come off the success and all of a sudden you find yourself in this period where the product you're selling has some real challenges associated with it can you talk about what that's like during that period when you're talking to brands that might be hesitant about the product that you're putting out there and how do you create re- and creating that relationship with the team that you're representing? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, part, part of my transition or why my shift happened was I was sponsoring all these teams and I mm-hmm. would go to every sporting event I ever wanted to go to between Super Bowl, World Series, Pro Bowl, any of yep. those things. It was awesome but I was there to watch a team play mm-hmm. and I missed going to a game or watching a game and actually have it matter yep. and have it impact. And that was the draw to get on the other side of the table was to get to a, a team. And when you win or lose, it impacts what you yep. do that next You day. feel it. You do. And that part's exciting. And people have a passion about it one way or the other. Yeah. And that's <laughs> going into Portland I literally was talking to somebody about it today. I came in on the end of a playoff run team had just won 55 games and change was happening. They you know, made a move on the GM. Uh, it was a time when we were scaling back um, multiple companies that had merged together mm. and 30 days in my employment, we laid off 88 people in one day. Um, that was a Tuesday. The next Tuesday, one of our players got in trouble in the airport with a substance they shouldn't have had. The following Tuesday, another player got in trouble for whatever it was. And, and I'll tell you, I, I have always prided myself in this in business on relationships. And I think the, the part that became important in Portland when we navigated that challenge around the product was relationships. And it was kind of being, I talk about it, being your authentic self and, and being able to talk about what we could truly do for that partner and what I can control. There's other things I can't control. And we're going to kind of put the best opportunity for that partner in place and maximize opportunity for them and trust 
the relationship that is there and be able to grow that. And I will tell you, you know, through that, we were able to, you know, maintain and keep the majority of that business on board. And when we kind of came on the backside of where that was from the product on the court, those partners grew with us. And those are the ones who uh, probably, you know, invested the most into where we were going because of that belief and that trust of where we were going to go. You know, and I'll tell you, I mean, again, our head coach, we made a move. Maurice Cheeks was there previously and we made a move and hired Nate McMillan. And the lead assistant he hired was a gentleman by the name of Monty Williams, uh, who happens to be our, our head coach here in Phoenix. And, and uh, you know, again, those, I, I try to align myself around good, strong people um, with, you know, great conviction and, and, and those, th- those things that they stand for. And, and having Nate at the helm on the, on the product side, I mean, it was the, the, the future was, was great from that perspective. It's interesting to, when I think back to how this conversation started and how you wanted to put yourself in a position and moving from the NFL to a traditional business world, you wanted to put yourself in a position where you could control your outcome and how much that resonates with what you just talked about, that by creating those relationships, you create control over all the other noise that takes place outside of that relationship you have with that person. So it's just kind of an interesting circle that you come to there and that that desire to control where you're headed from the business standpoint is the overlay on how you've approached these kinds of partnerships. No doubt. Without a doubt. It's always, I mean, it, it always goes back to control what you can control. Yeah. And like, I can't control wins and losses, but what I can impact is when those doors open, um, that two and a half hour experience that somebody has within that building of ours. And the fact that we try to do everything we can to have them leave anything else they're dealing with outside. And how can we make sure win or lose that experience in the building is, is magical for them, whether it's the first time they've been to a game. I always love to go up to the upper deck and see a father and son or uh, mother, daughter, or whatever coming to their first game. Yep. And you see that excitement, that electricity in there. That's what we can control. That's what, as we go down the road and build partnerships and we build these um, relationships with, with folks that are investing into us and trust that we're going to do that for them, those are the areas of that magic that we try to create around it, whether we win or lose, to make sure that when they leave, man, they can, well, they can talk about the great experience they had as part of that. Right. And that's obviously the Suns are going through a challenging time right now with, the, with some of the stuff that's going on regarding the owner. But again, those relationships that you've created and ensuring that the product remains the same on the court is what gets you past through some of these more challenging and choppy waters. Because the Suns have been incredibly successful over the last some odd years. And so I imagine a lot of those partnerships, you know, it's great to come in at the good times, but you go back and rely on all the learning that you've done and what you've seen work in the past to make sure that you're ready for moments like this. Because it's not just the Suns. Every team is going to have something happen at some point in their future where they're going to have to rely on those relationships and not just the success of the team, right? Yeah, and I think for us, you know, it's one of those ones where, again, you you focus on three years ago when I got here, one of the big things we focused on was how are we going to approach partnerships? How are we going to approach those relationships? 
and change the way that we're going about mm-hmm. uh, our business here from a partnership perspective. And I think that was an important piece of how we looked at building these partnerships, the renovation. You know, we put a quarter billion into the arena to um, change that guest experience of what happened there. And in the three years, we've gone from five seven-figure partners to 18 seven-figure partners. We've gone from <laughs> 140 partners to 70 or 80 partners. Well, I want you to start and selling then, partnerships for Dave Almy is what I want you to start <laughs> There you go. No, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. But we've, we, we have you know, partners who are invested and believe in the, in the fact of, of, of what we've built. Um, but it also you know, ties back to what James Jones and Monty Williams have built on the floor and the product and the players that, that we're able to be able to take to market or on the W side of it, for us on the WNBA side of it, mm-hmm. um, of having, you know, you know, Sue Bird is, is, uh, is fantastic. Transcendent. We, feel we, we feel we have the goat um, in Diana Taurasi. And so, yep. you know, again, on that, the, the, what we've been able to build on the women's side, you know, for us is one where, you know, we've got um, probably the most, not probably, we do have the most robust partnership program in the WNBA history um, and what we've been able to build there. And, and the belief and the fact of what we're building around, you know, that that team is has been awesome to be a yeah. part of. It's such a great story to tell. Yeah. So it's been, I mean, it's one of those ones where, you know, again, we have built something pretty phenomenal here and we've got really good people that are around us and the team that we have here is is pretty amazing. And so I'm excited about what the future holds for 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 our team and um, and the opportunities we have with the partners that are that are with us and the partners that are going to be joining us here in the future as well too. So. And I want to talk about one partnership in particular because it's a pretty unique one with the naming rights partner for the arena that you have there. It's the Footprint Center, right? And you know when you <laughs> when you think about naming right partners, you know you go to some of the bigger traditional categories, right? You know you go you know financial services, credit union, so forth and so forth like that. Can you talk a little bit about Footprint? and what they bring to the table and some of the opportunities and challenges associated with what's obviously clearly a mission-driven company. So I think probably most people are still becoming familiar with Footprint. Can you tell a little yeah. bit about what they do and the nature of how it came together and, and, and what those challenges and opportunities are? No, no doubt. Well, I, I think the, the part that was important for us is as we went down the road looking at a naming rights partner, we wanted a brand that fit us, that fit our values and mm-hmm. fit where it was we were looking to go. We didn't want to just throw, you know, a brand name on that people were like, all right, you just quote unquote Whatever. took the money, you right. took the money. And we got down the road. We had several partners who were engaged about the opportunity. And we feel like we, we chose Footprint just like they chose us. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it was this partnership opens up new opportunities for us that we would have never even thought about. Um, and ESG becomes literally part of every discussion that we look at now and where we go. You know, we have one single mission with Footprint right now, which is the elimination of single-use plastic. That mm-hmm. is the biggest thing for us and where we go. And so you talk about, you know, challenge and vision, you know, to be able to take a building and convert it into a position where we're moving away from single-use plastic. And, and what does that look like from Utensils and bowls and oh gosh, yeah, supply <laughs> chain is fantastic right now. Your concessionaire must have been like, you want to do what? Oh, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. And so for us, it's been one that you know, there's there's one piece of it that is the arena component to it of where we're going there. Footprint is a solution provider. They're 
they're going to find that solution for a company. You know, whether that's looking at a mac and cheese bowl that is made out of plastic and it's being converted into a compostable product, mm-hmm. um, or looking at in the meat section of a grocer like Fry's, our partner on that end of, you know, when you look at what that packaging is, that that packaging is a sustainable material that the, the meat is coming in as well too. So there's many, you know, no pun intended, many layers of what that solution looks like, but it literally has changed our kind of approach to the business. And whether that's talking to companies like Aresis of how are they doing their packaging and sustainability, mm. that becomes part of our discussion, yet alone what they're doing on TV or, or any of those things as well too. So the nice part is the, the partners that we have engaged with, somebody like Swire, who distributes Coca-Cola brand, mm-hmm. they, they are side by side with us in wanting to achieve that solution of, of elimination of single-use plastic and being in the position of, at minimum, that we're looking at 100% recycled bottles that we're using within the building as well, too, and what that progression looks like. So for us, we feel like it's, it's not just a name on the building. It's a, 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 mission, a mission for us. You're digging in uh, deep into the actual operations. Yeah. So it's, but that's part of the thing when I look at those, those partners who have kind of gone deep with us that have really kind of trusted in us of where it goes is it's not a sponsorship. It is truly a partnership together um, that we have a kind of shared vision on how we're approaching that, whether that's FanDuel um, and being yep. you know one of the first venues in the country to have a sports book in the building. Um, how are we kind of creating that opportunity to maximize the experience for the guests and doing so in the right way or footprint on the building or Verizon with their name on our performance center and, and what we're doing technology wise that, that nobody else in sports right now is touching. Those are things for us there that it's beyond just a package A, package B, package C. It's really creating a solution-based partnership with folks. Well, like our good friends at Banner Health providing the uh, medical doubt. care for the doctors. And it's funny. It reminds me. I got it a little. I got it a little. Yeah, I appreciate that. Banner's <laughs> phenomenal. We are, we are huge fans of Banner. <laughs> but I also reminded of, uh, I did a similar conversation like this with Jason Pearl up at the San Francisco Giants. And he was talking, we were talking about like, you know, they're in obviously this technology hub. And they have all these companies coming to them with opportunities to try new things. And he says, you know, the boy, the, the, the most interesting ones are the ones who really get the idea of partnership. And he used Clear as an example, mm-hmm. right? Because Clear brought that technology that they use at airports and made the Giants one of the first places where you could use your Clear account to get in more frictionlessly into the Giants game. And it really strikes me that the same thing that you just said. These are the companies that understand that the, the product that you bring to the table is a way to showcase what it is they do. And that's where partnership really kind of gets interesting versus package A, package B, package C. No doubt. And I mean, you just look at going back to you know, a handful of years ago when the patch deal was done for our team. Mm-hmm. The patch was a vehicle for PayPal. Right. Literally, it was like, okay, we're in for the patch, but... We yep. want to be able to bring frictionless transactions to the building. Mm-hmm. So we were before COVID, we were down the road on what that looked like already from that frictionless transaction of the building that now everybody has done post COVID. Um, we were ahead of the game on that. And the partnership was built on doors we could open for them to where you could now pay your 
APS bill via Venmo PayPal that you can buy your tickets uh, with Ticketmaster via PayPal Venmo. Those are the partnerships that we created for them. The patches for them secondary yeah. to all the things that we could do together from a business perspective. That was the important piece for them. Now you've been involved with the NBA now for for 20, 20 plus years. Sound about right? Yes, all right. You know, twenty plus years. You had uh, you know you had the Trailblazers and you had some time at IMG and then you know and then back with the Suns. Can you, when you think back to the business of the NBA now, compared to what it was then? When yeah. you first got started, what, what surprises you the most good or bad about that? I will tell you that the part of what brought me back to the NBA was number one, working for a single team and being a part of, of where that team component is because you have, I thought you were going to say doing this podcast market and the podcast. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. it opened up the door of opportunity for me to be able to have this forum yeah. with you. Um, <laughs> number one, number two, I, I will tell you that, what is the same over that last 20 years is Teambo and yeah. what the league does. The league does, I don't, I don't know that there's a better league that shares best practices and that rallies around each other to be able to look at the business and approach. I think the league has also done a great job of advancing where technology is from virtual signage, you know, and the patch on the jersey being one of the first to ever mm -hmm. do that. Um, and the advancement of baseline apron and all the things that we've done from there has really advanced the opportunity for it. I think the other piece of it that continues to be not surprising, but more rewarding is the league's relationship with the players. The players do a fantastic job of kind of supporting our mission and what it is we do. And they got a vested interest in it in the way that the CBA is set up. They, they, they certainly share in the success of what we do. Um, and that's a great thing. And so for me, it's one that um, I don't know that I would work in another professional sports industry um, when it looks at from a team perspective, because of the fact that I think the kind of the shared vision amongst the, uh, the teams uh, really supports each other and we can lean on each other. And, and that part of it, I, 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 I'm thankful for. Well, I, anytime you can talk about the relationship between the league and its players as being harmonious. I mean, yeah. I think it's fairly speaks for itself that that's a fairly unique thing. It is. And, <laughs> and, and I'll, again, like the previous head of the players association plays for us mm -hmm. and Chris Paul and, and Chris and Adam uh, have done a, a great job there. You know, now it transitions to, you know, CJ's uh, kind of the new head of the players association. And I think CJ McCollum is going to do a great job of, of being able to carry that through. And I think, you know, you know, I was fortunate to be part of David's regime when, when he led the mm -hmm. league. And I, and I think of what his vision and passion was about, you know, creating a forum for the players. Adam Silver's done a great job carrying that through um, as yep. well, too. And, and I think from, from that perspective, that's, that's one I love being a part of, you know, and, and again, I think it's exciting for where our league is, is going. And we just touched the surface, which is, that's the part I think that's also crazy is, 20 years of being into it, we're, we're literally just continuing to touch the surface of where it is that we can continue to go. And, where and fandom that's exciting can go. for me, you know, to watch it hopefully 20 years from the down the road when I'm not involved in it of, of where it's continued to push the envelope to be engaging, to, yeah. to be, you know, I think it's one of the stronger community driven leagues that's done a great job in the marketplace. 
to give back. And I, and I think those things are exciting for, for the league and, and for, you know, for our team. Let's talk about something else that I know you were excited to be part of for a little while. Um, your son actually followed you into the long snapping business and ended up playing for uh, a little team in the uh, southeastern United States called the University of Alabama. Uh, yeah. won, a, won a couple of national championships, I think went to three national championships altogether. They did. It's a pretty remarkable program. And you got to spend some time around it, and uh, the you know you got to watch. I think uh, head coach Nick Saban, uh, how he runs that team, and are from, a bit more familiar with it. Can you talk about your? You got a little bit behind the ropes on that. Can you talk a little bit about what observations you were able to make about how he runs his team, and some of your son's you know anecdotes and information that he fed back to you that maybe inform how you approach things today? Yeah, that's a good. That's a it's a good question, and it's. It's one that I, I will tell you, James Jones, who is our general manager, you know, we've talked about it and he's actually mm. started to engage the Alabama program as well too of, of, mm. of, you know, it goes back to, in my opinion, one thing that coach Saban talks about, and that's the process. And that each thing that you do is you put the right behaviors into place that is part of that process that gets mm. you to the goal that you want to be. I think, you know, again, coach never talked about winning or losing. I think coach talked about being the best version of yourself. And what's funny around that is that you bring it up today because I literally posted on Instagram today. I saw a sign in the coffee shop that was there this morning and the sign said, be the best version of yourself. I took a picture of it and I posted it today. And I had a conversation with one of our young people today that brought that comment up, not even my Instagram post, brought up being the best version of yourself today. And we're talking about it again this afternoon. And, and it's one of those ones that that was, that, that's, that's coach's mantra, um, at least again, third party that I hear back is, mm -hmm. is how do you approach every day to be the best version of yourself? And if all 11 players who are on the field at the same time are being the best version of themselves and maximizing what they can do individually and then doing so as a team, the results are going are gonna to be what they are, and, and you're probably going to win uh, a lot of games around that. And I think that's why you watch, again, on a, on, on a game of like even last weekend when you know, Bama uh, escaped the game uh, against Texas, which was a phenomenal game, that this week I, I'm sure practice was about not the fact that they won. Practice was about the errors that were made, the mistakes that were made. Right around that and ensuring the fact that that you are again putting that that work in to make sure that you are playing as much of a perfect game that you can that is within yourself don't be don't be on don't be beyond what it is that you can bring to the table but bring to the table the best piece of what you can do and i think that speaks to those young men for life after Alabama. Oh, amen. And, uh, right. and I think that's the piece for me that I look at my, at my home, the, the young man who stepped on that campus at 17 years old, you know, in, in, in Thomas, what, um, what he evolved in yeah. over those, you know, four and a half years at Alabama, the young man that he became and being part of coach Saban's leadership team for his last two years. And you just look at kind of how he's approached life and he speaks a lot of it back to coach Saban and the practices that coach Saban put in place 
around that. You know, for us, we'll, you know, uh, my wife and I will be forever thankful for what Coach Saban did for Thomas. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think for, for that, it'll be take football outside. It'll create great opportunities for him and whatever he chooses to do, which I think candidly ends up being coaching. And he wants to do for young people what Coach Saban did for him. Tom Fletcher of the Phoenix Suns, it's such a great uh, life lessons, life story that applies to so many people. And before I let you go, we're going to make sure we enter into the lightning round. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh. These, these, are que- these are questions that uh, you have no idea what's about to come, oh. um, quite frankly. So I just want to make sure you're ready. Let me get a, you ready? Let me get a sip of water. Get a sip of water. Just, you know, relax yourself. Deep breaths. I'm ready. Tom Fletcher, lightning round. Who's the better long snapper, you or Thomas? Thomas. <laughs> okay. Lightning round. Lightning yeah. round. You, yeah. you, there's no explanation. Thomas. Uh, a Alabama game is on at the same time as the San Diego State game. What are you watching? Oh, gosh. Um, probably San Diego State. Okay. Other than a football, what's the strangest thing you've ever long snapped? A watermelon. Oh, that could not have been easy. Uh, you are a San Diego State alumnus. Yes, sir. Uh, did you spend more time at the beach or the classroom while you were there? Beach. <laughs> okay. okay, again, yeah. not a lot of hesitation on that one. Yeah. Uh, what was more intense, waiting for your son Thomas to be born or waiting for his name to be called during the NFL draft? Oh, gosh. Um, I think that waiting for him to be born um, because I knew my life was going to change at that point. Um, okay. I knew that waiting for his name to be called in the NFL draft, that was going to happen. It's a big deal, man. Magical. Yeah. Magical. Tom Fletcher, Fight Phoenix Suns. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Dave. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this ADC Partners podcast. For more information about ADC Partners, please visit our website at adcpartners.com. <laughs>